It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. As Christians, we should really be witnesses, shouldn't we? Yeah, it's hard, though. Sometimes we don't want to talk to our relatives or friends, but we have a great author with us. His name is Dr. Tim Muehlhoff, and he has a book called The God Conversation, and it's using stories and illustrations to explain your faith. Welcome to the program. Well, it's great to be here, Michael. Thanks. It's a pleasure to have you. Now, our audience should know that you're a professor of communication at Biola University in La Miranda, California. How's that going? Oh, it's great. It's my 13th year here. And, um, boy, it's great. Biola has a lot of great professors. And so I wrote a book with J.P. Moreland, who's one of the top Christian thinkers out there. And, um, you know, bringing together a philosopher and a communication professor, we thought it was great to help people articulate their faith. So Absolutely. Great yeah, and you got Lee Strobel doing the foreword, of course, and his uh, name is in the uh, the news these days with a movie coming out. Yeah, I heard that the case for Christ is coming out. That's be interesting to see. So this is an important subject because I think there was a poll done, and they said that. Many Christians have problems. I think it was like 25% in sharing their faith. And that, I thought that was a little bit rough since we're really all supposed to you know, share our faith in Christ. Is that an accurate statistic? Yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate. I would say that's a little bit low, to be honest with you. I think the thing that people struggle with is I don't know how to start these conversations. You know, I suppose if my neighbor, coworker, or non-Christian family member said, hey, you know, I've got some questions about Christianity and Who's Jesus? I, I think a lot of people would jump in gladly, but it just never tends to be that easier. The door isn't quite open that wide, so we need to find ways to start conversations and then illustrate them using pop culture, history, television, anything we can think of to get these conversations going and illustrate them. Yeah, you know, I talked to my dad, and he was a former dentist. So all the, he plays golf still every Wednesday and Sunday. That, that didn't change, you know. But every time I talk to him, I use these illustrations of the teeth and the corruption of the mouth and x-rays. And the Lord puts that in my heart. And I thank God for these stories or else it would be hard in some respect to share the gospel because you want to meet people right where they are. That's right. And so uh, in the book, we mention that the Walking Dead uh, TV program is the most watched program in the history of cable television hmm. and i can't tell you michael how many conversations i've started that have ended up being spiritual conversations with the fact that i my wife and i watched the walking dead and and it's just a, a great natural way to talk about boy what would life be like in a zombie apocalypse yeah is there, is there still right and wrong do you do whatever you want we're i mean one character wrestles with god in the zombie apocalypse he was a a former pastor in the show, and now he's wrestling, wanting to hang on to his faith, but everything screams at him that this life is just crazy, and how could God exist if zombies have taken over the world? So I can't tell you how many conversations uh, <laughs> just finding people, and if they haven't seen the show, just talking about the show and kind of bringing them up to speak, because everybody's heard about it. And that's just a natural way to talk about things. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was having a conversation the other day. It was at Starbucks. And the person said, you're not going to be talking about Jesus, are you? Uh, and and I used the title of your book. I said, no, no, I'm just having a God conversation. Oh, good. Just talking like that. And, and it was really funny. And I had the book in front of me, too. Um, but I guess we learned a little bit about you. Now, it's the apocalypse, you know, that zombie apocalypse. But in your book, is it you that uh, watched that show, My Name is Earl? Yes. Okay, oh, so... 
now we're talking because let's jump into this subject. It's about karma 101 because when a lot of people think of religion, somehow karma is brought up if they don't know Jesus. And you say, it says the hit series My Name is Earl focuses on the life of a social misfit named Earl. Now, his life has been one bad choice after another. And after finding out he's won a small lottery, he's immediately hit by a car and finds himself in the hospital. And so he's lying in the hospital bed. He has a karmic epiphany and decides to make a karma list of all the bad things, 300 of them, that he's done in life. And his hope is that he has done good things to people he's mistreated. And so let's talk a little bit about that. Why why does karma always come up when people think of where they're going, if they're going to heaven? <laughs> well, let me tell you how this whole thing started. The number one question I get from people is, I don't know where to start. Like, you know, with, with Christian apologetics, let's say, you know, do I study world religions? Do I study history? What do I do? And I like to say to people, well, it all depends on who God has brought across your path. So when I was in grad school at University of North Carolina, uh, my dissertation director was Buddhist. Hmm. And to this day, I'm working on a black belt in uh, karate, and my instructor is Buddhist. So I just started to study Buddhism because I wanted to have a point of contact. And the more I learned about karma, the more I thought, boy, this just sounds like the TV show my name is Earl, where Earl <laughs> basically wants to work out the bad karma in his life. You know, he wins a mini lottery. It's like 300 bucks. And immediately he's hit by a car. And he's in a hospital and he's reflecting on his life saying, man, my whole life is just bad karma. So he makes a list and tries to go back and take care of his list, apologize to people, get his mom, Mother's Day cards, whatever. And so I, I like to make the point with my Buddhist friends, boy, wouldn't it be interesting if life really was um, trying to go back and correct all the bad things you've ever done. That, that would be hard to do. Then I like to ask my friends, how's that going for you? I mean, do you think you're doing a good job um, as you're trying to counteract negative karma? Are you able to keep from doing bad things, which is more karma, bad karma? And you know what I like about it, Michael, is I can compliment them on their good karma. I can say, you know what, I, I think you're in many ways a great teacher, you're a very compassionate person, so it's not all negative, but my name is Earl, allows me to talk about karma without directly critiquing, right. let's say, uh, the Buddha's teachings. Yeah, and you have license to do it because it's part of the story, and we're all playing on even ground, if you will. So and you can laugh, that's what I love. Yeah. My name is Earl is actually a very funny show, I've not seen a ton of episodes, but it, it makes you laugh, and people know about it. That's what's cool about some of these illustrations. Yeah, and people laugh with Jesus, didn't they? I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. it, when they thought of the Pharisees, they, they didn't laugh so much, you know, the, the religious leaders. And look, I've been there, too. We all have. And sometimes, you know, in defending the faith, we get, I guess, hyper-serious. And someone pointed out to me, and I was in seminary, Barnes & Noble, studying hard, and this lady said, you know, you seminary students don't seem that happy. You really don't. You seem like... Um, you're, you know, have a lot of stress and, and that type of thing. And so, I mean, to laugh with people and to make the stories of Scripture fun and exciting and people would be more likely to listen. And, you know, what's interesting, Michael, is you don't need to have seen all these things. For instance, I'm in Starbucks and a woman has um, on the desk, she has 50 shades of gray. <laughs> so we're Whoops. sitting there and uh, I forget... She recognized me somehow. Sometimes I do preaching in some different churches in my hometown. 
And she said, you know, I'm not, I don't go to church, but I, I think I've heard your name. And I just said, hey, interesting book you're reading. And she goes, oh, man, is it interesting. It's just it's very wild to think about. And I'm just sitting there like, you know, I'm not, I've, I've read reviews of Fifty Shades of Grey. I've not seen the movie. I've not read the book. And, and, and we said, don't endorse the book either. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. And I said, do you, do you like it? And she goes, well, I don't know. I guess people have the right to decide what's good for them. And, you know, it's just that moment. I said, well, I, I wonder if that's true. Like, like, can you just decide to um, uh, abuse a child? Can you decide to um, steal? Can you just decide? And she goes, oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. So just a quick casual conversation at Starbucks and Fifty Shades of Grey opened the door to do it. Interesting, in our podcast we have at Biola, I actually critique Fifty Shades of Grey from a feminist perspective, saying how damaging that um, genre is and, and condoning physical abuse and things like that. So I like to just look around and see what people are thinking about. Uh, I went and saw The Shack because I have some friends who saw The Shack and you know, just to sit down and have a conversation with them. They're marginally religious and, you know, things like that. So I like to keep the door open. Well, I have to ask you something. Dr. Muloff, you know that being a professor of communication, and again at Biola University, what are we doing wrong? I mean, what are some of the areas that we can correct as Christians to be better communicators and have more God stories? Uh, but Michael, I really think we need to be better listeners and initiators of conversation. And... Um, look for the positives, not always the negatives. Um, I wrote a book called like, Beg to Differ, uh, Navigating Difficult Conversations in Truth and Love. And I, I honestly think that we as Christians sometimes are so quick to jump in and just see the negative. For example, let's take um, Buddhism. My, you know, my name is Earl. So when I got to know my dissertation director, and again, that's a seven-year process, and my my karate instructor that you know I've been doing it for three and a half years you know what's the positives about Buddhism you know Buddhists believe in meditation they believe in simplicity they believe in um, what we call mindfulness being fully present in the moment and so I like to focus on the positives first and then we can always move to points of disagreement but Gautama the Buddha wrestled with some of the deepest questions of life, and I think we can at least appreciate the fact that he was asking some really important questions. So I force my students, I want you to find points of agreement with hmm. people, not just always knee-jerk disagreement with people. Yeah, I mean, always having to be right, that was something I had to get over for a while. I said, wait a minute, I think I have to love you and meet you where you are. I'll tell you what, now I have a, a little bit of tea in front of me, okay? So let's type of role play. Pretend we're at Starbucks, okay? And and right. we'll make a conversation this way. We can You can reenact God's stories for, for the audience here, okay? So I'm at Starbucks, and I have, um, you know, a, a book on marketing and the Internet, and I have a website that I'm building, and so let's take it from there, all right? And I'm drinking right here. Let me just slurp for my uh, tea here. <laughs> All right, so we make it real. And so how would you begin? How would you approach me? Hey, I would just say, I couldn't help but uh, notice, I hope you don't mind, the book you, you're looking at on marketing and the Internet. I, I'm, I'm a professor. I teach classes. I, I actually do have a website. Hmm. I don't know how good it is. But I'm, are you learning anything from that book? Is it interesting? Um, how do you like the book? 
I like it. It's uh, you know, it's called 500 social media marketing tips, and yeah, I don't know, I don't know how to do Facebook, Twitter, and all that stuff, but it's just, I'm learning. I'm learning. Well, me too. I, I'm an. I actually have written. A, uh, I'm an author, and so my publisher made me uh, get a website, get on Twitter, and get on Facebook. So I must say that I'm kind of on those things for marketing reasons. That's kind of why I noticed your book. I thought, well, I would love to know, like, what are, what are the couple best tips you're getting from this book? Well, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just kind of beginning it, but I suppose it's ju- you just have to publish all the time. I mean, people are listening and you just have to kind of, you know, I guess, let people in. You have to be a little vulnerable and share. And if you're not sharing, nobody's listening. Yeah, but it, it, it kind of wears me out, to be honest with you. I mean, I know I'm supposed to be on Twitter every day. I know I'm supposed to be updating my Facebook page. And I just uh, – does it wear you out to always constantly yes. think about marketing yourself? <laughs> oh, yes. That's why I got the book because it, it is exhausting. <laughs> and how do you maneuver through social media even? I don't know where to begin. Yeah. Boy, that's great. Now, Michael, let me make a point. I am not going to do a bait and switch. In other words, I'm not going to force this to be a spiritual conversation. Okay. Because I I can't – right now, we're just having a good conversation. We just met in Starbucks. I have yet to hear one thing that I think I can legitimately uh, use to talk about spiritual things. I mean, I would have – it would have been nice if you would have bit on, hey, what kind of books do you write? Or I was getting ready for that. (laughs) To me, that's natural. So I want to say to your listeners, let's not force spiritual conversations. If they happen or if if you see an – if we find some commonality or something where you think, oh, this seems like a natural, then I would advocate doing that. But I don't think we need to force in spiritual conversations. Okay, so now, doctor (laughs) – now (laughs) – now let's examine this because, I mean, there, there are many different sections of where do we even go to talk about and have these God conversations. I and mean, we'll get there, hopefully, and just get kind of like a summary. Eventually, we'll talk about, you know, good and evil, because that comes up, karma we mentioned, uh, whatever religion works for you, as long as, you know, everyone has a different way. These are things to talk about, but let's kind of analyze just briefly what kind of went down there in Starbucks and, again, how we could bring our listeners into this type of uh, mode because I think a lot of people go to Starbucks and uh, we're going to want to talk to people. Yeah, and I would say, you know, all the pressure is off of me in the fact that my job is to give a reason for the faith that is in me. This is what Peter says. But if it doesn't come up, right, so it would have been a different scenario if he would have been reading USA Today and uh, tragically, we just had a shooting here in San Bernardino, California. Mm. We had an elementary school. Yes shooting where a teacher and a child were tragically killed. So it would have been different if, if he was reading the front page of the L.A. Times or something like that. And I, I probably would have said, man, stuff like that, that is just heartbreaking. And to see if he bites on it and to say, yeah, boy, it is heartbreaking. It just makes you wonder what's going on and it just give up hope on humanity kind of a thing. And I would agree with him. I said, man, it's hard to stay hopeful when – so many of the headlines are negative and, you know, um, so part of the reason I can stay hopeful is kind of some of the beliefs I have and some of the convictions I have and see if he bites. 
Yeah, because I had a conversation just like this at Starbucks <laughs> the other day. And so uh, it's, I'm just kind of laughing because the person had bad experience and he was Catholic. And, and I began to ask him, you know, what's going on? Tell me what happened, you know. And uh, But uh, I, I think in the back, I could see him looking at me like, you know, you're going to talk about Jesus, aren't you? And I think, yes, I am. But, it, you know, you don't always want to be so obvious, I suppose. Yeah, and I want to just open up the door to have future contact with them. Um, so I do think I would um, uh, hope he visits my website. I would have loved to have sent him some books. I really would have done that with a note, and here's my card stuck in one of the books. Um, uh, hopefully I'll see him again in Starbucks. That, that might be unlikely. Who knows how much our paths will cross. But that's where you do pray, God, this was a, you know, um, a great conversation. I'd like to have more. So would you open the door for me hmm. to cross paths with this person again? Yes. And I think adding that to your prayer life of saying, Lord, um, I have a heart for my neighbor. I have a heart for my coworker. Would you um, seed our conversations so that these issues do come up, that I can just naturally walk into them, I think would be great. Yeah, and I'm kind of like the drive-by evangelist, you know, where it's just kind of a one-shot type of thing. And you kind of convicted me that this is not a one-shot thing. This the, the door should be open and the seed should be planted. So to hope that we can have many conversations, that doesn't always cross my mind. Well, I do. And boy, we're kind of strained from the God conversation, which is great. But this is, this is what I talk about. I have a book coming out this summer called Winsome Persuasion, Christian Influence in a Post-Christian World. And in it, Michael, I really do argue that we need to be part of our neighborhoods. We need to return to what Robert Bella called an America where you sat out on your front porch. So I want us to be as invested in our neighborhoods and communities as possible. And for us, one of the best ways we got a chance to share our faith is all of our kids played basketball, all of them played Pop Warner football. So, man, I spent more time with Pop Warner parents <laughs> than I did with my own parents or people at my church. We're always together. And, you, you know, you really do earn a right to be heard out over time. And so the more I'm in my community, we call it social capital, that you really do earn the right to have these kind of conversations. So it's hard to have a conversation with the guy in Starbucks that I it's my first time seeing him. Uh, he's had a bad experience. I don't want to add more to that. Uh, but with, So if him and I or kids were doing Pop Warner football together, I'd have multiple exposures. So I really think it's important for us to be ambassadors for Christ in our neighborhoods, in our businesses. Uh, in grad school, I was there for seven years doing a master's and a Ph.D., so, man, I knew these people and knew what was happening in their lives, and conversations were easier to have. Yeah, and being all things to all people, and that's what I'm hearing also in this conversation, that we have to kind of forget our agenda and kind of be more invested in the interests of other people and earn the right, as you mentioned. And you're, you're true to your book, which says using stories and illustrations to explain your faith. You mentioned about television programs and also about movies. And so could you just tell us also from not only a Christian, but, you know, communication professor, um, how important that is and how can we kind of maneuver around and use stories and illustrations? How important is that? Well, we know from research that regardless of how powerful a talk is or a lecture or even a sermon, that people immediately forget 50% of everything they heard. And roughly eight, nine, ten hours later, 
they are down to roughly 10% retention. Now, that goes up if they're taking notes and things like that, but roughly 10% retention. So it's the illustrations they remember. So we've done massive studies on this. So it's examples, quotations, illustrations that people remember long after the talk is over. And again, this is taking a page out of Jesus's communication style. He used parable stories all the time. And uh, I think it's because it was an oral culture and people weren't taking notes on their blackberries, right? So that he had to make it memorable. Blackberries? You have still have a blackberry? <laughs> I'm kidding. These illustrations are what's going to stay with your non-Christian friend long after that conversation is over. Well, that makes sense. And let me ask you in closing here also about Lee Strobel and how does he come into the picture? I mean, he did your foreword. So what's your relationship like with him? Well, you know, I mentioned J.P. Moreland, the co-writer, is one of the top Christian philosophers in the world, really. And he's friends with Lee Strobel. So when we sat down to do the book together, we were kind of kicking around who could be a forward. And he said, hey, maybe we could ask Lee Strobel. And I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. I would go with Lee Strobel. So Lee's been very supportive of the book. He wrote a great forward. But he's really J.P. Moreland's friend. I've met him on occasion. But J.P. and him have done work together and stuff like that. Yeah, and if you don't mind, I want to ask you one last question. You got time? Sure. Okay. Sure. So the question is, you know, the biggest concern or that people have is where they think it's legitimate to say that everyone should have their way. You know, everyone has their own way. And, you know, you just let me have my way and you have your way and we're good. Okay. So how do we debunk that theory? Well, it depends on the topic we're talking about. Like United States, we, we very much enjoy religious pluralism, which, by the way, is great as a country. People should have the freedom to choose their own belief system. That, that's what's so great about America. We don't dictate that you have to have a, a belief system. I like to sit down with people and just say, I get, I get where that makes a lot of sense to say everybody should have the freedom to choose whatever they like or feels good to them. The problem I have is the religions just really disagree with each other. Um, for example, is there a god? Well, Buddhists would say no. Uh, Hindus would say, yeah, there's like a thousand of them. Christians would say, yes, there's a god. Muslims would say, yes, he's a god, but he's different from your god. And so I just find it hard to believe when we're talking about it, something as important as God, whether he exists or not, that you could have wildly contradictory viewpoints and they all could be true at the same time. Now, are they all about um, viable options? Absolutely. Do they all have strengths and weaknesses? Absolutely. Christianity has strengths and weaknesses as well. But I really do want to find God if he exists. And I find it hard to believe that you could have such wildly different perspectives and they all could be true in the same way. Mm. That's a conversation I'd love to have with a person. Because honestly, and Michael, I mean this when I say this to my non-Christian friends or friends of a different faith tradition. I really do want to find God. If he exists, I really do want to find him and experience him. And so I'm open to what my Buddhist friends have to say. I'm open to what um, I have atheist friends, right? If there's no God, I don't want to waste my life pursuing um, something that doesn't exist. So I, I think it's good to say we're all travelers. We're all on this journey together. 
And there's cost to this journey. I mean, it, it makes a difference if you're going to live your life and say God doesn't exist and he does. And it's a big difference just for me to think he does exist and I find out that he doesn't. I, I really do want to find truth. There's always someone out there who's an introvert who really wants to share Christ, and they struggle with that. And, you know, it's always difficult. I'm sure you have a hard time getting through to those folks. Or uh, you ever talk to someone who's a real introvert and you kind of change them around? Because, I mean, having a conversation, putting yourself out there is difficult, especially for an introvert. Yeah, and I, yeah, I would agree with that. So I would say use natural life situations to have these conversations. Um, like you and I could be the kind of person who would start a conversation as well. Right, that that doesn't necessarily bother me, uh, but so I would say with a person who really is an introvert and that's hard, I, I, um, I would say um, as you get to know your coworkers, as you um, get to know the people in your neighborhood, as you, um, I mean, force yourself to take advantage of things that happen within the neighborhood, or um, you know, go to the YMCA and join a class, you know, that's going to put you in contact with other people. I'm really concerned about Christians who, when I say to them, uh, hey, how many, who are your non-Christian friends? Like, who do you know? And a lot of my Christian friends just don't know any non-Christians or mm. people from different traditions. And I think that's a mistake. I think we're called to be ambassadors, what Paul says. And that means getting involved in doing life with other people. The New Testament church was forced to do life with other people. And uh, we talk about that a lot in the book, Winsome Persuasion, that's coming out this summer. They did life with people. Antioch was a mess, uh, sanitation-wise, and so Christians really did jump in and help with sanitation issues. So I would say to introverts, find a cause and go join a group that's not just made up of Christians, but a lot of people who care about this issue. Hmm. I love it. I think that's great. It says in the back of your book, think of it this way, every day it seems more difficult to explain to our friends, families, and neighbors what we believe and why. When our ideas, or our ideas and arguments fail to persuade them, what then? And so this book is great. Again, it's called The God Conversation, Using Stories and Illustrations to Explain Your Faith. And our special guest has been Dr. Tim Muehlhoff. And uh, wow, we've learned a lot. I appreciate you uh, being on the program. I hope people go on your website. Can you give it out one more time? Yeah, it's Tim, T-I-M, no space, my last name, Muehlhoff, M-U-E-H-L-H-O-F-F.com. Dr. Muehlhoff. Amazon, and people can check them out there as well. All right, Amazon, and uh, you know what to do. And so, Dr. Muehlhoff, again, a professor of communication at Biola University, and may God bless you. Michael, thank you. It's been a pleasure to be on.